67. Your institution is worthy of the highest endorsement. Yours truly, William H. E. N. K. L. Number 1917 Congress Street, St. Louis, Mo. Strangulated rupture or breaching a child two years old. Cured. World's Dispensary Medical Association, 663 Main Street, Buffalo, N.Y. Dear Sir our boy island since the operation, quite well and healthier than ever before, so that I presume, the rupture, or a part of it, may have existed since his birth, even that small lump in the groin has, as much as I can feel by touching, completely disappeared, I take this opportunity of expressing my heartfelt thanks for the kind and Christian-like treatment my wife and boy experienced from you and the nurses, God bless you and let you live long for the welfare of suffering men. Dr. Pierce's Invalids Hotel of Buffalo, NY deserves to be recommended to every sufferer of whatever disease. Eight years ago I underwent a successful operation, saving my body a member, the dangerous outgrowth, which made the operation a necessity, never returned. In regard to your specialist, I wish to remark, that his skillful way of performing operations reminded me very much of Bernard von Langenbeck, professor of surgery in the University of Berlin, where I was a student. He is just as tender and sympathetic with his patients as that famous director of the Prussian Royal Clinical Hospital has been. As to the medicines of Dr. Pierce, I recommended them to members of my congregation, who told me that they did them good. Dr. Bastian, of Dansville, NY a druggist, told me that your medicines are bought by the same persons again and again. I consider this to be the best recommendation. A medicine which is of no effect will not be bought a second time by the same person. Yours. Ref. Richard Cross. Port Wadi. N.Y. Mrs. Mary Cross. The mother of the little boy whose case is above reported. Writes, in respect to your medicines I can only say that they have done me and others much good. Especially when I suffered with chronic guitar and doctored with your physicians. I shall never forget the kind treatment I received from your physicians and nurses during the time I had to stay in your house. While our Hutterman had to go through that dangerous operation which was necessary to cure his strangulated rupture, I can recommend your institute and medicines to all suffering people. Hernia or rupture of 14 years cured, sound as a dollar. World's Dispensary Medical Association, Buffalo, NY, dear sirs in reply to a years of the 29th halt, in which you kindly make inquiry in regard to my physical condition, I would say, that I am now, I think, as sound as a dollar and consider that after I had bad 14 years of suffering with hernia, and being cured as I was last winter at your institute, makes me under great obligations to the science and skill of the world's dispensary medical association, very respectfully yours, Orangeville Mills, Mary Company Mitch, irreducible hernia, present from boyhood protrusion of enormous size, world's dispensary medical association, Buffalo, NY, Gentlemen I take pleasure in reporting that I have not worn the truss for a long period, and that I have been at work steadily at my business of binding and printing, running a large establishment, for over four years, without any trouble whatever from the rupture, it has remained permanently and perfectly cured, you will remember my case as a most severe one, I am a man of 60 years of age, and the disease had been the source of serious discomfort to me since childhood, the protrusion was the size of a man's head and could not be replaced, I was forced to give up all exercise, and suffered much at my daily work from inconvenience and pain, any injury upon the protrusion, which could not always be protected, was followed with much discomfort, and my general health was seriously affected, 
The passage of the food through the confined intestines was a painful process oftentimes, and kept me in great misery. I am thankful to state that since your operation the rupture has remained sound and well, and I have been relieved of all difficulty of the kind. I now enjoy excellent health, and am at my business daily from 12 to 16 hours, and on my feet constantly, yet without any manifestations whatever of the ray appearance of the rupture. You had my most sincere gratitude for the skillful operation and the good care received in your institution while there. I can recommend your nurses and physicians most highly, and think your institution is unequaled in this country. With many good wishes, I am, very truly yours, Daniel Anidius CHK, 2067 Franklin Avenue Toledo, Ohio, Complication of Diseases, Without Solicitude or Hope of Pecuniary Reward. With heartfelt gratitude and a desire to aid my fellow man to health and happiness, allow me to state, that as an inmate for more than a month of the Invalids Hotel and Surgical Institute at No. 663 Main Street, Buffalo, N.Y., I feel warranted in its highest recommendation, while there I saw and talked with a great number of people who came there as a last resort, to be cured of almost every chronic disease to which flesh is heir and they were unanimous in their praise of the institution and the skilled specialists who constitute its professional staff. Andrew Holes, Moorhead, Men, Hernia O.R. Rupture of 11 Years Standing, World's Dispensary Medical Association, Buffalo, N.Y., Gentlemen allow me to express my thanks to you for the attention and benefits received at the hands of your skillful staff of surgeons and nurses. I had been a sufferer from hernia for 11 years and tried everything, but was no better. I finally went to the Invalids Hotel and Surgical Institute, and am now entirely cured and enjoy splendid health. I heartily recommend yours to be the most skillful treatment of the age. With best wishes, Louis C. Ariasty, Number 67 Frankston Avenue, Pittsburgh, Pond, Rupture, aggravated by occupation as a locomotive engineer could not be held in place after treatment subjected to the trying test of the constant jar of the locomotive yet proves reliable. World's Dispensary Medical Association, Number 663 Main Street, Buffalo, N.Y., Gentlemen it has long been my desire to make a statement of my care for the benefit of all those persons who have suffered in like manner. I had a rupture that was very large and difficult to hold in place. Trusses of all kinds were tried. They were painful and would not hold it. The rupture would come down constantly when at my engine and give me fearful pain. I was cured at the Invalids Hotel and Surgical Institute, Buffalo, N.Y. by a treatment that is safe and certain. My cure has been permanent. Although I have worked steadily, yours sincerely, James M.K.A.C.H., Number 68 Bissell Avenue Buffalo, N.Y. Femoral Hernia. This patient, aged 34 years, was always delicate, suffered from malarial fever each year for 10 years past. The hernia was caused by lifting her father, who was on his sick bed during five different times, causing terrible suffering. The hernia was treated by our specialist, and in 18 days the lady was able to return home. She reports, Gentlemen I am grateful to you for a permanent cure of the hernia, and happy to inform you that I have felt no signs of rupture since I was at your institution. Respectfully yours, Miss Matthew V. Thomas, Albion, Noble Company and A Living Death for Years, World's Dispensary Medical Association. 663 Main Street Buffalo, N.Y., gentlemen in the hope that some sufferer from hernia may be induced to take your treatment for that disease, I send you this certificate, containing a synopsis of my case and cure of the same, my life was a living death for years, 
I had almost lost all hope of ever being cured, and was plunged in despair, as I had tried so many trusses, appliances and remedies, each one in successive repetition, a failure, in January and February of the year 89, I entered your institution for treatment, my malady being an inguinal hernia on the right side, of 20 years standing from childhood, I was then impressed with the feeling that it was my last chance, and that it would be my last effort, and to be candid I had very little hope that a cure would be effected, to me my condition seemed appalling, as I dare not eat, drink, laugh, exercise or perform any of the functions of life without having to reduce my rupture, frequently as often as 40 or 50 times per diem, while on occasions the reduction would occupy hours of untold agony, no truss or appliance that I could get would retain the rupture, and I had tried all sorts as fast as they came to my knowledge, marvelous as it may appear to all sufferers from this distressing affliction, I was discharged from your institute in 30 days, a well and sound man, and only from memory and the record do I know that I was ever ruptured, I have at times since performed some of the hardest kinds of work for long periods, but no sign of weakness has ever appeared, I do not consider the necessary operation performed as attended with any danger, it is no comparison to the chances a person takes who in the daily walks of life is tortured with a rupture, while an inmate of your institution, I was accorded the kindest and most considerate treatment from all members of your staff and employees with whom I came in contact, I consider the appointments and cuisine of the establishment as perfection, you are at liberty to make the fullest and freest use of this testimonial you may see fit in your judgment and I will cheerfully answer any communication from any sufferer referred to me for more explicit testimony. I am, sincerely yours, Henry Wood, Mason Valley, Neath, Croup, Membranous and Spasmodic. Every family should be made acquainted with the symptoms and treatment of this disease, especially is this true in the case of those living remote from a physician. From the lack of this knowledge on the part of parents, many a little one has perished before medical assistance could be obtained. In some of its forms its progress is very rapid, and, unless relief is obtained in a few moments, or hours at the most, death ensues. There are several quite distinct pathological conditions of the vocal and respiratory organs which have, in popular parlance, been designated as croup, but two of these are worthy of consideration here. These are true or membranous croup, in which a false, semi-organized membrane is formed, and spasmodic croup, both may result fatally but the former is much the more dangerous. Membranous croup is supposed to originate in the trachea, from which, as it progresses, it often extends upward to the larynx, and downward to the bronchial tubes. It is the result of severe inflammation of the mucous membrane, and is characterized by the formation of a false membrane, which covers or lines the inner surface of the true structure. See figure 1. It is formed of a coagulable, semi-fluid exudotion from the mucous membrane. On being brought to the surface and into contact with the inspired air, this substance grows thick and tough, or leathery, as we find it. It is the obstruction in the respiratory canal which this foreign matter causes that gives rise to the labored breathing, and the ringing, brassy cough, together with the crowing or whistling inspiration characteristic of croup. Before recovery can take place this membrane must be detached and expelled. The cough is nature's effort to accomplish this work. The formation of the segmentitious membrane in the larynx is attended with more danger than when it is confined to the trachea. In most cases in which the disease has had a very spatally fatal termination, an examination has shown that the larynx was its chief seat. Symptoms. True croup is generally preceded by what is known as a cold, 
The child coughs, sneezes, and is hoarse. It is the hoarseness and the peculiar character of the cough which indicate the tendency to croup. This has been already described. In addition, the child is restless, fretful and feverish. The disease makes rapid strides. Finally the cough ceases to be loud and barking, and is very much suppressed. The voice is almost gone, the face is very pale, the head thrown back, the nostrils dilated and in perpetual motion. The pulse at the wrist very feeble, great exhaustion, more or less delirium. And, finally, death comes to the relief of the little sufferer. Convulsions sometimes occur in the last stages, and soon terminate fatally. Treatment. No time should be lost in commencing treatment. Hot fomentations should be applied to the throat and upper portions of the chest. The free inhalation of steam should be employed early. The following treatment has been found very effectual in membranous croup, and is recommended by the highest authorities, yellow subsulfate of mercury, or turpet mineral. 3 to 5 grains, depending upon the age of the child, for one dose. If it does not cause vomiting in 15 minutes, give a second dose. This, however, is seldom necessary. If the turpet mineral cannot be obtained, sulfate of copper or sulfate of zinc may be given instead, as directed under the head of emetics, in part III, chapter II. If there be a quick pulse, hot skin, a hurried breathing, and an occasional ringing cough, the child should be kept in bed comfortably covered, but not overloaded with clothes, and the tincture or fluid extract of veratrum be right administered as follows, take fluid extract of veratrum, 5 drops, sweet spirits of nitre, 1 teaspoonful, pure water, 20 teaspoonfuls, mix, sweeten with white sugar, and give a teaspoonful of the mixture every half hour to 2 hours, according to the age of the child and the severity of the case, if there be great prostration, with cold extremities, the carbonate of ammonia should be administered, in doses of from 1 to 2 grains, every second hour, in gum arabic mucilage, quinine is a valuable remedy, and is tolerated in large doses, the patient's body should be frequently sponged with warm water in which a sufficient quantity of is or ordinary baking soda has been dissolved to render it quite strongly alkaline, if the bowels be constipated they should be moved by an injection of starch water, beef tea and other concentrated, Supporting diet should be administrated, in those cases in which there is a tendency to croup. The golden medical discovery, together with iron and the bitter tonics, should be given to build up the system and counteract such tendency. The treatment which we have advised has been put to the severest tests in the most severe forms of the disease, and has resulted most successfully. If, however, in any case it does not give prompt relief. Our advice is to lose no time in summoning a physician who is known to be skilled in the treatment of diseases of children. Spasmodic croup. In this affection no false membrane is formed. It seems to have a nervous origin. Most frequently the child is awakened in the night by a sense of suffocation. He may cry out that he is choking. The countenance is livid. The breathing is hurried and each respiration is attended by a crowing sound. The child has fits of coughing or crying and makes vehement struggles to recover his breath. This complaint, and like croup, is unattended by fever, it being of a purely spasmodic character with no inflammation. Apply hot fomentations to the throat, and give frequent small doses of tincture or fluid extract or syrup of lobelia, to produce slight nausea, or, better still, an acetic syrup of bloodroot, made by adding one teaspoonful of the crushed or powdered root to one gill of vinegar and four teaspoonfuls of white sugar. Heat this mixture to the boiling point. Strain. 
and administer from one-fourth to one teaspoonful every half hour or hour. Slight nausea should be kept up, but it is unnecessary to produce vomiting. This is usually all the treatment that is required. Whooping cough. Pertussis. This is primarily a disease of the nervous system, involving the respiratory organs through the medium of the pneumogastric nerve. It is considered a disease of childhood, though we have met with it in old age. It is eminently a contagious affection, and occurs generally but once during life. Symptoms. It is at first manifested by a catarrhal cough, gradually developed. After a while it becomes paroxysmal, generally worse at night. The cough is severe, and long continued, when a prolonged inspiration occurs. It is accompanied by a peculiar shrill sound, the characteristic hoop, which, when once heard, is never forgotten. The cough is attended by a copious secretion of glary mucus, which is brought up at the latter part of the paroxysm, during, or at the end of the paroxysm. Vomiting frequently occurs, and sometimes nosebleed. The cough is so severe at times, that the patient turns purple, gasps for breath, and presents all the symptoms of suffocation. Bronchitis sometimes is a troublesome complication. Immediately preceding a paroxysm of coughing a sense of impending danger appears to seize the child, and it runs to its mother, or grasps some support, as if for protection, until the paroxysmal character and peculiar hoop is developed. The disease is diagnosed with difficulty. Treatment. We have found the golden medical discovery to modify the disease and cut it short. The philosophy of its action can be readily understood by its effect on the pneumogastric nerve as explained under consumption and bronchitis, jaborindi, described under the head of diaphoretics, often spatially arrests this disease. The employment of an infusion of red clover blossoms, in small doses, is of undoubted value in modifying the irritation of the air passages, and may be used to good advantage with, or in alternation with the golden medical discovery. Exposure to cold and wet should be avoided. Nosebleed. Hemorrhage from the nose is commonly the result either of a catarrhal or an inflammatory condition of the nasal mucous membrane. Individuals are susceptible to it who are oppressed by fever or constitutional diseases that reduce the strength. There is also a condition of the nervous system in which there is congestion of the nerve centers which favors manifestations of this somewhat troublesome difficulty. Causes. In some instances an examination of the nose will reveal the presence of a small point of congested vessels usually about the size of a split pea. Upon this portion of the mucous membrane small scabs form, and at any time when they may be dislodged, by accident or otherwise, a hemorrhage will ensue. The constitutional conditions that produce the tendency to hemorrhage are most important. In individuals of a debilitated condition, it results from the lack of a proper amount of fibrin in the blood, where the blood becomes thin, or loses a large share of its red corpuscles. The individual is pale and hemorrhages are frequent from the mucous surfaces of any portion of the body, the nasal mucous surface being especially liable to such attacks. Treatment. This is local and constitutional. Where there is constitutional imperfection, it should be remedied. Usually in young women there is some difficulty with the ovarian or uterine circulation, and the attack of hemorrhage from the nose is reflex in its character, appearing just before or at the time of the menstrual flow, accompanied with troublesome headache. The correction of this form is by the use of the favorite prescription and golden medical discovery, using of each a teaspoonful three times a day, taking the prescription before meals and the discovery after meals. If the bowels are constipated, the pellets should be employed in order to overcome any congestion of the liver which favors the manifestation of nosebleed. 
In children there is usually a debilitated state of the system, which is best remedied by the use of a half teaspoonful dose of the discovery, taken three times a day, after meals, with sweetened water. This treatment should be continued for a month or six weeks. By this means the blood-making organs rapidly improve in their activity and functions. The blood becomes rich in corpuscles and fibrin, thus strengthening the walls of the blood vessels and tending to prevent a hemorrhage following undue excitement or injury. With men the use of laxatives is of great importance. One or more of the pellets, taken on retiring at night, are most beneficial. Where the blood is not up to the standard of purity, even though the individual be fleshy, the discovery should be used a teaspoonful or two, three times a day, after meals, in conjunction with plenty of outdoor exercise and the best of food, where the hemorrhages occur in those having too much blood, the diet must be corrected by the use of vegetables and fruit, diminishing the amount of meat and pastries to a minimum, the amount of fibrin should also be increased by the use of the golden medical discovery, local treatment, of those applied directly to the membrane, Dr. Sage's guitar remedy, used according to the directions which wrap the bottle, is excellent in bringing about a normal condition of the mucous surfaces. Following this, a small amount of subnitrate of bismuth may be snuffed into each nostril. Usually the amount required to cover a 3 cent silver piece is sufficient. The powder dries the surface and favors the speedy formation of a coagulum, or clotted covering, which effectually checks any further hemorrhage. The application of a firm compress to the upper lip will also diminish the flow of blood through the arteries that run to the anterior portion of the mucous surface. Good effects often follow the use of a small piece of ice applied to the nape of the neck. This, with a reclining posture, will cause contraction of the blood vessels. If the subnitrate of bismuth is not to be readily obtained, the use of any other powder such as starch, finely divided and baked so as to be free from a tendency to form starch paste when applied to a mucous surface is equally good, while brown flour is also serviceable, the use of the contents of a puff ball, which contains many millions of fine spores, has been employed from time immemorial, the use of such drying powders tends to favor the speedy formation of clots, where the small points of engorged vessels are to be readily reached, use a solution of the tincture of chloride of iron, one part in four of water, applying with a small pledget of soft cotton wrapped about, or fastened to, the end of a pencil or stick, in this way the solution may be applied in very small amount to the spot where the hemorrhage appears, and will give immunity from future attacks. Any of the styptics see pages 320-325 can be called into service. Those who have the advantage of the city drugstore may use a solution of basic ferric sulfate moncelles solution, or the spray of a 3 or 4 percent solution of cocaine. The latter is one of the most pleasant and effective remedies in these emergencies. Before its administration the nasal cavity should be cleansed by snuffing up the nostril salt and warm water. When washed, immediately apply the spray. If the constitutional condition which led to the hemorrhage continues, the general remedies of which the golden medical discovery is the most efficacious should be administered. This agent increases the number of red blood corpuscles, and enriches the blood in fibrin, so that the relief obtained is absolutely permanent. Inflammation of the stomach. Gastritis. Gastritis is generally defined as an inflammation of the mucous membrane of the stomach. However, the cellular, muscular, and serous tissues are all liable to be more or less affected. Gastritis may be either acute or chronic. Either form is a distinct modification of disease, manifesting peculiar symptoms and requiring special remedies. Acute gastritis generally occurs as a result or complication of other diseases, 
it is an occasional feature in scarlatina, serious cases of bilious fever, and in cutaneous affections of every description. The mucous membrane of the stomach is placed in intimate communication with all the vital organs, by means of the nerves of the solar plexus, hence the sympathy between the stomach and skin, and the morbid condition of the stomach occasioned by disease of other organs. The early symptoms of acute gastritis are a burning sensation in the stomach, accompanied by nausea and frequent vomiting. The respiratory movements are rapid and shallow, the pulse is hard and short, and as the disease progresses, becomes small, frequent, and thready. The tongue usually retains its natural appearance, but it is sometimes dry and tinged with a vivid scarlet at the tip and edges. Intense thirst and hiccough are occasional symptoms. The facial expression is haggard, and indicative of the most intense suffering. The stomach will not retain the mildest liquids. In the early stages of the disease, the ejections consist of chyme and mucus, streaked with blood. As it progresses, the vomiting becomes a sort of regurgitation. The contents of the stomach being ejected without any apparent nausea or effort. The ejections then consist of a dark colored granular matter, resembling what is known in yellow fever as black vomit. Causes. Formerly it was supposed that this was a very common disorder, and the term acute gastritis was applied to every development of symptomatic fever. But late clinical and pathological investigations clearly indicate that acute gastritis is of rare occurrence. It may be caused by the excessive and habitual use of alcoholic drinks, especially if taken without food, by copious draughts of cold water, or by intense emotions, but its general cause is the ingestion of irritating and corrosive poisons, where the former causes are known not to exist. The presence of poison should always be suspected, as the cause sometimes becomes a matter of legal investigation. It is very important that the practitioner should be able to determine the real origin. If caused by poison, the disease is very suddenly developed, the patient complaining of a very intense burning sensation in the throat and the lining membrane of the mouth, which will generally show the action of the poison. A diarrhea is also more apt to accompany the disease. If inorganic or vegetable poisons are known or suspected irritants, the appropriate antidotes should be promptly administered. For a list of the principal poisons and their antidotes, with practical suggestions for treatment, The reader is referred to the article in this volume, on accidents and emergencies. Treatment. The inflammation should be allayed, and a tea made of peach tree leaves is very serviceable. Small pieces of ice, swallowed, will generally allay the thirst and vomiting, and a mucilaginous slippery elm is very soothing to the inflamed mucous membrane. This is an important disease, and its management should be entrusted to a skillful physician. Chronic inflammation of the stomach. Chronic gastritis is sometimes mistaken for dyspepsia or gastralgia. It is very necessary to discriminate between these diseases, as the appropriate remedies of the latter will often only aggravate and augment the former. A chronic inflammation of the stomach is a very common affection and has many phases, but the term chronic gastritis is applied only to that species of inflammation occasioned and accompanied by irritation. It is seldom a result of the acute form. The symptoms of chronic gastritis are various and sometimes vague. Among those which are prominent we may mention an irregular appetite. At times it is voracious and the patient will consume every available article of diet, while at others he will experience nausea and disgust at the sight of food. Even when very hungry, one mouthful of food will sometimes produce satiety and cause vomiting. The appearance of the tongue is variable, sometimes natural, at others thickly coated. The desire for drink is capricious. Varying from intense thirst to indifference, 
Another prominent symptom is a sense of heaviness and heat in the epigastric region. After partaking of food, often a small quantity, as a teaspoonful of milk, will produce a sensation of weight, as a heavy ball lying at the pin of the stomach. The symptom is frequently accompanied by a frontal headache, and a small and wiry pulse. Dull or shooting pains are experienced in the stomach and between the shoulders, and the patient becomes weary, melancholy, and emaciated. Causes The general cause of chronic gastritis is excess in eating or drinking, and the use of alcoholic liquors. We have known it to be produced by drinking hard cider. Great mental excitement predisposes the system to this affection. Occasionally it is a result of febrile diseases, as scarlatina, typhoid fever, etc. In some families there is a constitutional tendency towards development. Treatment. All medicines which tend to irritate the stomach, should be studiously avoided. The bowel should be kept regular, and the skin cleaned by frequent bathing. Stimulants of all kinds must be avoided. As a principal article of diet, we would recommend milk and farinaceous articles. If these precautions be observed, nature will sometimes effect a cure. Lime water and the subnitrate of bismuth, in 20 grain doses 3 or 4 times a day, powerful to allay irritation. Other suggestions applicable to its domestic management, may be found under the hygienic and medicinal treatment of dyspepsia, to which we refer the reader, neuralgia of the stomach, G-A-S-T-R-A-L-G-I-A. Gastralgia is a neuralgic affection of the stomach, and accompanied by inflammation, it is sometimes mistaken for chronic gastritis, although there is a marked difference in the symptoms. A prominent symptom of GASTRALGIA is a paroxysmal pain radiating from the epigastric region, to all parts of the thoracic cavity. The pain is sometimes lessened by walking, lying on left side, or by gentle pressure, and usually abates after eating, but is renewed in a few hours. The patient occasionally experiences a sense of heaviness at the pit of the stomach, nausea, and frequent salty irritations. The tongue is white, the appetite variable, and there is no desire for liquids. The sleep is usually refreshing, and when not suffering from acute pain, the patient is apparently well. The distinguishing symptom of this disease is a feeling of intense despondency, and, sometimes, a morbid fear of death. An effectual method of distinguishing between gastralgia and chronic gastritis is by the administration of an alcoholic stimulant. If gastritis be the affection the pain will be augmented, whereas, if it be gastralgia, it will be relieved. Cause. The cause of gastralgia is a local or sympathetic irritation of the nerves distributed to the stomach. Treatment. The pain of gastralgia is sometimes delayed by using half a teaspoonful of subcarbonate of bismuth.